Let us pray. Gracious God, you are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help us to love and adore you with all that we are. Draw us to yourself even now. Speak to us from your word and conform, it, conform us into the image of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again, folks at home. You may be seated. We are looking today at Matthew 28, our gospel reading. As I mentioned at the open of the service, today is Trinity Sunday, that day that we give special focus to the triune nature of our one God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's also the last Sunday for a very long time that you'll see white vestments and white paraments on the altar. I think the next time, if I'm thinking correctly, is Christ the King, which is in November. So uh, be prepared because green is coming. Um, again, looking to our gospel reading, the passage that we heard just read a few moments ago is what is commonly known as the Great Commission. And the events recounted here take place after the resurrection, and like the things we talked about on Ascension Day just a few weeks ago, these are really some of the final instructions that Jesus gives to his disciples before he ascended back to heaven. And again, that makes it very important and very significant what Jesus says here, because these are, in a sense, part of his final instructions to his disciples. So I want to look at what Jesus said here in this passage from Matthew 28, focusing especially on verses 18 through 20, which I would call the three alls, A-L-L-S, if you will, the three alls of the Great Commission. The first one is this in verse 18, all authority. Look at verse 18 with me. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what is Jesus saying here? All authority. We understand that Jesus, as the resurrected Lord of glory, is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful. But the fact that all authority in heaven and on earth is given to him says much more than just that, as profound as that truth of his omnipotence is. Because the fact that Jesus is given all authority also and even more powerfully speaks of his kingship, that he is ruler, that he is king of God's kingdom. He is ruler of all, and that includes you and me. And that has profound implications and application for our lives, that we submit our actions and our thoughts and what we do in the entirety of our being to the kingship of Jesus Christ. I don't think, um, coincidentally, I had a, I have a dear friend who's a Catholic priest over on the eastern shore of Maryland who dropped two books in the mail to me last week and said, I think you'd enjoy reading these. And the first one is entitled God or Nothing. It's written by Cardinal Robert Serra, who is a, an African um, archbishop and cardinal in the Catholic Church. But in the opening of that book, as I opened it up, and it, it, fitted, it fits so appropriately with what we're hearing here today about Jesus' kingship over our lives. Cardinal Sarah quotes Father Pere Jerome, who is a Swiss, was a Swiss Trappist monk, who wrote this. 
The man of the world wants to change his place, his destiny, his idols, and to change them perpetually. The friend of God must remain and stay in the place where God has put him. Indeed, between the friends of God and the world, there is an antithesis and a rupture. What the one chooses, the other rejects. Otherwise, there would no longer be two camps, but only one, the world. God calls us as his friends, as his followers, as those who submit to the kingship of Jesus, to to submit to him in all that we do, so that we are not a friend of the world, but a friend of God, and we accept the will and the place of God for us in this life, as, as Father Jerome says, where God has put us. All authority. The second all, all nations, verse 19. Jesus' authority as king of heaven and ruler of all includes the authority to command those who are his to go. And that is exactly what Jesus does here in this passage from Matthew 28. To those first disciples and disciples of his through all time and history, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The idea here is, so as you go, as you are going, make disciples of every people group. And the idea here is not so much of geographic nations with political boundaries as we think about in our current context and and the way we think in the world today. The idea here is to make disciples of every people group, every ethnic group, every tribe. And the reality is that we cannot obey this command without going. Going speaks of and means action, intentional and obedient steps on our part. Intentional and obedient, willing steps to go and willingly walk in obedience to our King. And this grows out of the work of the Holy Spirit in us as believers as we grow in our love and our passion for Jesus. He does not say, go and make disciples only of those in my neighborhood or my state or my nation or people who seem to be just like me. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all people groups. Sometimes you'll hear people say, I've heard it. I'm sure many of you have heard it said that people will say something to the effect of there are enough needs right here in our community and in our nation. We should take care of those first. Or... Missions begins at home. That is an irreconcilable way of thinking, an irreconcilable worldview. It cannot be reconciled with what Jesus says here in Matthew 28. Making disciples of all nations, of all people groups, means the person next door and the person in the most remote tribe in New Guinea and everyone in between. This is Jesus' command. If we are his disciples... We have no choice but to willingly obey because this is God's mandate. And I think we must ask ourselves if we fully and wholeheartedly believe the truth of the gospel in light of this mandate. Do we believe that Jesus is God's only way of salvation? Because that is indeed what Jesus said in John 14 verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Do we believe that it is a living relationship with Jesus Christ and that alone which brings freedom and peace and joy and fulfillment and hope and forgiveness of sins? Do we believe that Jesus is the only one who can break the power and bondage to sin in a person's life? Do we believe that Jesus alone can break down the racial barriers and ethnic tensions in our nation and in our world? Do we really believe that not coming to Jesus as a Savior means eternal punishment and separation from God in a real place called hell? What we believe about missions, brothers and sisters, what we believe about proclaiming the message of Christ around the world gives our true answer to each of the questions I have just posed. Jesus commands us to go. However, we should not simply obey him out of a sense of duty or guilt or obligation. If we are Christ's, our obedience should be out of love. Love for Christ, love for him who died for us so that we are filled with the heart and the eyes of Jesus for the lost. I pondered as I reflected on these sermon notes the implications of that for our current national crisis that we're walking through with the, the separation and the tensions between people who in their history and in their genetic makeup come from different parts of the world. And yet God calls us as the people of God to be bridge builders, to bridge those gaps, to bridge those seemingly unbridgeable chasms that have developed. And the reality is that it is only through the grace and the power and the truth of Jesus Christ that those things will ever be reconciled. But God calls us as his people in this hour to be ministers, to be his hands, to be his feet, to go and be his instruments of reconciliation and healing. Bridging racial differences, bridging ethnic differences, bridging socioeconomic differences and any other kind of difference and delineation that has been drawn in our world. Jesus calls us to go. I love the story of Lillian Thrasher, another one of my missionary heroes. She was an Assemblies of God missionary, so this goes back to my Assemblies of God days. She went to Egypt with her sister in 1910 as a missionary, as a young woman, to establish an orphanage. She had $100 in her pocket, and when she arrived in Egypt, she wasn't even sure where to start. Obviously, Egypt and the Middle East were very different, and travel was very different in that day. And shortly after she arrived, a sick and dying woman placed her malnourished baby in Lillian Thrasher's arms. The grandmother had wanted to throw the baby into the Nile River because there seemed to be no hope. And from that small start, Lillian Thrasher took that baby into her home and started to raise her. She established the very first orphanage in the nation of Egypt that grew to touch thousands upon thousands of children. And even though Lillian Thrasher went to be with Jesus in 1962, that, 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 excuse me, that orphanage and that mission and that village continues on in a thriving way, forming children in the image of Jesus Christ and rescuing them from horrific situations. All nations all peoples. And then finally in verse 20, the final all, look at verse 20 with me. 
and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, always to the end of the age. Literally, that read, that always reads, I am with you all the days until the end of the age. Certainly we, know, certainly, we know that God is present with us, but the implication here is stronger and more comprehensive. Because Jesus is not just somehow present with us until the end of the age. In being with us, Jesus empowers us as his followers to carry out the work he commands of all believers. The work of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that will never, ever be accomplished simply through our own efforts. This is a God-given, God-breathed mandate which will only be accomplished by God's supernatural means. The Great Commission taking the gospel to the ends of the earth will only be accomplished by God's power working in and through us. That's the purpose of Pentecost. That's the purpose of the fullness of the Holy Spirit that we talked about even last Sunday. As you remember last Sunday, I read Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8 gives us a clear understanding as to how God is accomplishing his will through us and through all believers. But only as we align ourselves with God's purposes, and open ourselves to God's mean to accomplish his purposes, will that come to pass. We cannot call ourselves spirit-filled Christians if we're not about missions. If we're not about the power and the work of the Holy Spirit of God himself, the I am with you always, all the days, until the end of the age, so that the gospel goes forth in obedience to Jesus' command. In Romans chapter 10, verses 12 through 15, St. Paul writes this, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So how do we participate in conclusion? How do we participate in the Great Commission? There are three ways that we can and do participate. First, we participate by going ourselves. For some of us, that means right here in our local community, in our workplace, where God has placed us right here in Northern Virginia. For some, that also means participating in short-term mission trips, as many of this church have done over the years. For others, it means going to the far places, going to the ends of the earth, like Mother Jessica Hughes, a dear part of our congregation who serves in Uganda, and so many others. We participate by going in obedience to God's call, right where he has placed us, and then going right to where he calls us to be by his grace and power. Second, we participate by praying, praying for the lost, praying for unreached people groups, 
praying for our community and the people God has placed us in the midst of. Praying that barriers to the gospel would come down. Praying specifically for missionaries and all of those things together. And third, we participate by partnering. Partnering with those whom God calls to go to the far ends of the earth, to the far reaches. That's partnering with them in prayer. That's partnering with them through our financial giving above our tithes and offerings. That is partnering with them in other ways that God may bring to mind to share in their work, to share in their ministry, whether that be right here through things like Acts and Streetlights, or whether it be in Uganda, or our work with Anglican Frontier Missions to the ends of the earth. We participate in fulfilling the Great Commission by going ourselves, by praying focused, specific prayer, and we participate in fulfilling it by partnering. This is the call of God to us, even in this hour, despite COVID, and in light of especially the unrest in our community and around our world, God calls us to go. And as we go, we have the promise of Jesus. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let us pray. Father, in such a time as this, with social distancing, with the unrest in our nation, if we look at things through the eyes of the natural, the challenges that we face, things may seem impossible. But you truly are a God who works in ways beyond what we could even ask or think or imagine. And Lord, even in this time, you're still calling us to go and to be sent right here in our community and even to the ends of the earth. So Lord, equip us. Lord, equip us with your grace. Equip us with your power. That we would walk in obedience to Jesus, our King, knowing that he is with us. And that he empowers us to accomplish and to finish his work. So would you do that, Lord, in us and through us for the glory of your name. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.